are once again with another Wednesday Night Live, and um, it's great to welcome not only our own congregation to this beautiful room, but all of our Saints Network family who are joining with us for this broadcast, and those of you who are uh, perhaps tuning in for the first time, we welcome you. And um, tonight, we're going to consider some things that are perhaps unusual to some who may be hearing them, but uh, nevertheless, it is a uh, what I believe is a rhema word for us as a as a congregation and as a network. You know, you run the risk when you when you begin to um, broadcast your your meetings out over a wide array of uh, sources. You run the risk of um, um, maybe being too deep or too um, um, too extreme for some. Uh, we have to do the business of this house, and um, for for um, from time to time, there are directives that the Lord gives to us here as a body that uh, we have to do in. Um, in obedience to him and um, I assure you that one of the one of the principles that we that we have striven to follow here is to line up the things that we teach uh, the things that we experience the things that we pursue with the Holy Scriptures and by that I mean the Bible Um, and, you know, one of the things that we encountered early on when God began to do some unusual measures of visitation here was that when we would speak about things, there would be some who, who would just immediately, based on their tradition, say, that's not scriptural. Even if you had just taught um, in an expansive way on how it is in the scripture, um, a lot of times people, <clears throat> because they hear a spiritual uh, admonition for the first time because they've not experienced for themselves such a thing, um, they immediately put up barriers and don't want to go further. And why that should surprise anybody who's Pentecostal, I don't know. Because for as long as I've been alive going to church the things that we believed the bible taught with the baptism of the holy spirit and deliverance and the angelic and healing we were we were alone a lone candle in a in a city that was just uh, filled with hard-working people who were either eastern orthodox or catholic or Presbyterian and um, we were told these things aren't scriptural these things aren't godly but we knew they were scriptural because they were in the Bible and they were an experience that God had given us that lined up with the word so anybody who's Pentecostal should be used to that kind of thing the problem is that we often 
stop at certain levels of our spiritual experience. See, that's one of the challenges that Christians have. We, we begin to settle rather quickly. We, we become pioneers until a point of comfortability, and then we become settlers. And when we become settlers, then we don't want to pioneer anymore. And so we view anybody that's pressing forward into something new as some kind of a strange mountain man. Uh, and we don't want to have anything to do with them because it's more comfy down in our little hollow with the church, with the spire and, you know, our fireplace, our fireplace fellowships. And you could still have those. Um, you know, we were, we were also branded as people who didn't like to fellowship when we first started to pray. And I never really understood that because if you, if you know me, I certainly have, I'm not averse to laughing and just having a good time. And we certainly had that. But because prayer was cutting into certain practices, certain nights of fellowship that others had established as a tradition, suddenly instead of coming to pray and finding another time to fellowship in those ways the the soulish nature said well they they don't fellowship or they don't take care of one another i'm saying all these things because you know do we think this happens in a bottle every one of these churches every one of these new scenarios where people of God are embracing this walk are going to encounter this same playbook because the enemy doesn't have any new tricks he just recycles them and he he rebrands them and that was one of the greatest blessings I know this sounds strange that was one of the greatest blessings that I had as as a pastor when God began to bring network what would become network pastors into our fellowship and some of them said you know what when we started to pray in diversities of tongues when we started a proscuneo the enemy rose up and said this about us and when I'd hear them say they're not scriptural or they don't love one another or when I'd hear those things in a way I felt kind of bad for them but I felt kind of good because since it was happening to them that lie the enemy was trying to tell me look what look what you've done I recognize this was his tactic and he would throw it off on any number of people and if if you know the device of the enemy and you recognize that um, he's just deceiving and trying to deter you from following after God you can be a voice of counsel and a, a voice of of affiliation with others who are going forward it's it's kind of like you know young mothers um, you know when there's another mother who has had a child that faced a certain thing you know when when a young mother has their first child and their kid displays a certain uh, symptom and everybody in the house's hair gets on fire and they think the child's not long for this world and then they call somebody that has a one-year-old and say, oh, you know, that's, that's normal. You know, don't, don't rush them to the emergency room. That's just normal. And it calms everything down, doesn't it? 
and um, unless you're the the established mother that everybody keeps calling that <laughs> that's probably not pleasant either but um, I don't know why I went down that trail oh I do we're going to talk about some things tonight that are true spiritually and they're true with the way God moves with people and they're certainly true in regard to where we are right now as a body and subsequently as a network and um, so just get ready because here it comes Uh, last Sunday morning I spoke about knocking and I talked about a uh, kind of a night vision experience that the Lord brought to my existence rather in a rather startling way wherein I was um, praying and in a, in a in a spiritual very deep spiritual encounter and suddenly I was awakened from that or perhaps dispatched from that with the sound of very loud knocking and uh, so I to borrow a phrase from Dickens leapt from my bed to see what was the matter and went around checked all the doors and looked out in the yard and you know um, I tried to get Debbie, Debbie to go do that but I wasn't going to cut it so I got up and went and looked and I didn't see anybody and then I recognized okay what was I just you know that knock allowed me to be jolted from an encounter and I went and sat and looked up the scriptures about knocking and um, but kind of um, reflected on what it was that I had been doing and I share this tonight as as your pastor um, and subsequently then as um, a leader that God has put in your life because I feel that this is something that uh, is indicative of where we are as a body where we are as a network and it may shed some light on what what you've been encountering Um, and I'll tell about what I was doing immediately before that the sign of the knocking but before I do that I want to just say that for the past several weeks uh, I've known that I've been kind of wrestling in prayer throughout the night and not in a bad way it's not you know in the past we've had lots of intercessory uh, visions and you know warfare and you know, sometimes confronting darkness, sometimes being uh, aware of the fact that you're in a in another nation or you're in um, you know some other theater of operation, and you you know that you're interceding or interacting because dreams do biblically reflect upon your purpose, and um, it it whatever you're called to be and whatever you're called to do and whatever you're called to do in future is often reflected by the kind of intercession and the types of of uh, dreams that you may have uh, uh, that the Lord allows you to remember. But I, I, I find myself very often waking up and um, just being, praying in the Spirit, not pleading, not fighting, not, but, but in a place where I'm 
really an insistence, almost like uh, I know something needs to happen and I can feel the yearning for it. I can feel the, the necessity of it. I can feel the, the desperation of it, but I'm not panicked. It's almost like I, I'm, I'm communing on behalf of God and with God for something, for some kind of a breakthrough, some kind of necessity. And I don't feel that it's personal. You know, the first couple of days when I would wake up and recognize this, I'd think, what is going on? You know, is there some kind of a difficulty that's arising? Is there some kind of a thing that I need to be preparing for? And after a few days, I recognize, this is just, is just nightly, I recognized that it wasn't any of that. And as the weeks went by, I became more comfortable with this uneasiness, this desperation is probably a better word, positive desperation. And now it's almost as if I'm comfortable with it. It's almost like, it's almost like a, a place of commune with God that I'm kind of nestled in with him and I recognize that I'm doing something with him on behalf of something that is coming and I, I, I almost cherish it. It's kind of weird to say that. It's, it's kind of weird to talk about travail as if it's something that you embrace and it's not something that I look forward to. I'm going to tell you, I, I didn't I don't, if I, if I had my choice of what kind of prayer, what kind of dream I'd like to be having in the Lord, it's a whole lot more fulfilling when you're flying through the air, fighting against things, and, you know, you can see the enemy fleeing, and, you know, or if you wake up and you, you recognize that the enemy is, you know, has being put to flight, and, or if an angel is talking to you, those things are, are much more seemingly proactive and positive, but this is a really weird scenario. So the other night with the knocking, uh, what I was made aware that I was doing was so unusual, and I didn't mention it on Sunday morning, but I'm going to tell you what it felt like and what I thought, and then I'm going to look at some, we're going to look, we are going to look at some scriptures. I, I was aware that I was standing just, um, immediately facing some kind of a, of a barrier or some kind of a partition. Um, it was dimly lit. Uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a brick wall or anything like that. It almost seemed as if it was a permeable thing, something that you could reach through almost like what we would think about skin uh, or or some kind of organic material even though it wasn't that and you know but I was I was standing maybe a foot a foot a foot separating my face from it and I was praying in this in this way and I was aware of the fact on my right and on my left that there was a great aligning alignment of angels on the left and on the right who were also standing in line and they were declaring in angelic tongues and I, I just just kind of glanced I, I it, they really weren't the focus um, but they were adorned in priestly looking kind of garbs 
and um, and I, I I thought to myself in the midst in reflection of this I could think that I thought angels don't pray so what are they doing and it's true because the, the Bible doesn't say angels pray the Bible says they're messengers the, we are the ones that pray because we have relationship with God but Paul does say though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and um, I recognized kind of in a knowing way that these were angels that were um, standing alongside of me as a representative of the Heavenly Father and they have been from eternity aligned for the purpose that God has given us. Now, in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses 13 and 14, this well-known passage uh, about the angelic is, is mentioned. And it says, um, verse 13, To which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now, there are two different terms used here for the words translated as minister or ministering. The first one, ministering spirits, this is leitirjos, um, and it's, it speaks about somebody that has been appointed for a specific ministry you know somebody that would have um, uh, a commission to accomplish a certain thing from God they stand in an office or, or some kind of a position and um, so these types of spirits uh, have have a divine and eternal identity and an eternal calling but then it says that uh, they are sent forth this is the word from which we get apostle uh, to minister and that word is different from the first ministry this one means that they do a job they serve they they it's it's work for them it's a labor of obedience and they work alongside those that are called to be heirs of salvation and um you know, I, I've been studying a lot about the differences between being an heir and a joint heir, and we've talked about this some in the past. But joint heirs are those who have accomplished a measure of partnership with God. They've been given an authority from Him to, to be a, a, a voice, uh, to, to, to display what should happen and what shouldn't happen on the basis of what God himself has entrusted them. An heir is somebody who represents God in a way that's higher level, but they've not really, you know, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. If you're faithful in the small things, you're made ruler over many. And an heir is somebody that is kind of like an associate in the firm who has been given divested authorities but really isn't 
one that's calling the shots. You know, if you have a partner in the firm, they seem to have more clout than people that are just simply attorneys on file in the firm. And so it would seem to me that this passage, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who will be heirs, it, it would say to me that you are ministering on behalf of what God has given you to do. Angels are there serving that, that commission from God, but they, they're, they're, they're aligned for whatever apostolic purpose God has, and they've been appointed to this in various capacities by God. So it's very interesting. Now, I know in the past we've taught a lot about the angelic, and, you know, there are a lot of opinions as to what angels do, um, and a lot of things that people have as opinions based on old wives' tale and fables and uh, are just not what angels do. Um, you know, some people think they have an angel that helps them get parking spaces or, you know, you know they say all kinds of things. They say all kinds of things like that. But angels, the angels really, you know, when the angelic really came into a more heightened measure of our awareness here was when we first devoted ourselves to pray in diversities of tongues, to pursue the pathway of saints, to, to act as if we want to become sons, then the angels are more pronounced because that's what they were created to do, to represent the Father, but to, enable, to empower and by virtue of their obedience to the Father, to enable steps of our pathway in, in serving the purpose of the Father. So it, it's, it's, it was interesting to hear all of these voices. And, and as the days went by, I, I was mystified. I was not mystified. I was amazed by this because uh, you could hear lots of different authoritative voices being released. And it was as if what I was praying as a son of the Most High God, uh, what I was praying was the almost like the writ or the edict from the Father of his mysteries and what he wants to do past, this, that, past that barrier of time, that, um, that embryo, as it were, of what he wants to break forth into the new. It's kind of like the shroud that you're going to go through into a new thing. You've got to break through that. Life is that way. That's how we begin life in the natural. You know, that, there, there is a breakthrough into the new. Um, that's, uh, you know, Israel broke through out of Egypt when God separated the waters and they walked through. He separated the waters of the Jordan when they entered to the, the land of promise. He broke down the walls of Jericho as the first, as the first battle and conquest. See, God's all about separating and breaking, breaking through when you come into a new thing. And we're definitely coming through into a new thing. But these angels were declaring things, I suspect, into the things that creation is awaiting 
for the manifestation of the sons. The angels are declaring into histemes and into lands of operation and into places that they were created to function in. And they're, crea- they're, they're declaring what God has commissioned them to do. It, it, was, it was such an unusual formation. I don't remember anything like this in the experiences that I've had in the past 20 plus years of praying this way. But it's, it's very reminiscent of <clears throat> when an army <clears throat> is lined up to attack. and You have different kinds of agendas with each different type of warrior. And they, they're rehearsing what it is that they're going to do so that everybody knows and everybody's committed and everybody understands the play. You know, I could give lots of illustrations of this, but I remember a scene, a World War II movie called The Dirty Dozen. And um, Lee Marvin was the commander of these guys that had been in prison, and they were going to go attack this Nazi stronghold. And a lot of these guys were, you know, criminals, so they're used to doing what they want to do. And some of them really weren't that the brightest bulb in the, in the box. And so before they did this, this task, they went over it point by point. You're going to do this, and they did it in occasion, and then he's going to do this, and then he's going to do this. See, God is very systematic, and especially when you're talking about a new time frame, when you're talking about a new visitation of God's Spirit. You know, the Scripture tells us in Ephesians that before God's mysteries are revealed through his church, he does them very pronouncedly before the rulers of this world, before those principalities and powers in in heavenly places. And um, God is so, he's so amazing in that way. Certainly not what I would think would be what you'd do. You know, I'd kind of like to to blitz them and not let them know it's coming. Of course, God does do suddenlies like that. But before major advances in the kingdom, you find this theatron, you find this, this thing that God is going to present so that the enemy can't say, you're, you're playing unfair, you're, you're taking advantage of us. Um, God's going to do everything in such an orderly and such a prophetic way. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, so I don't know what all these angels were saying, but in reflection, just with the brief glance, I can describe the, the two or three on either side of me, but it seemed like this line went on for quite a while on either side, and I felt like it was taking place in, in the heavens. And I, I really do feel that it was an indication of what, I expressed I've been feeling like in prayer just about every night. And, um, you know, God moves in, in lines. He's a very deliberate God. In fact, you know, Isaiah 6, 1, we've taught about the train of the Lord. We've taught about um, how God has specific delineations of of uh, the the heritage of people uh, the scripture the my, the lines are given to me and 
in pleasant places um, here in at a time of breakthrough a time for Isaiah in Isaiah 6 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple the train was the garment the the, the hem of the garment and um, you know we studied about in other verses the kanaf of how uh, uh, that was indicative of the person's identity you know and the, the woman with the issue of blood felt the leading of God to go if I can but touch the hem of his garment and dunamis flowed out of that touch of that thing it's as if you know the train or that 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 line of God when it comes in contact uh, with earth in God's timing with a people that are in alignment with him there is power there is um, the magnificent visitation of his spirit and the propulsion of of many good things into the new and I, I felt like you know what what really was happening in this dream and subsequently in this intercession which is where we are as a network we have we've been transitioning now we're positioned for an amazing visitation of the spirit of the lord beyond anything we've known it's it's not you know the honeymoon period where people were having their giftings activated for the first time and everybody was scratching their heads wondering what was going on you know th those are those are embryonic states of of our growth and development we're we should be mighty men and women by now. We should be matured in our knowledge and our understanding of what the Scripture says. We shouldn't be, we should always be in an awe of the Lord, but we shouldn't be wide-eyed babies uh, wanting that time frame again. So the, what God's going to do is unlike anything we've known because it is what He's been preparing us for for the past decades. And when it happens there's going to be an immediacy of responsibilities given to every one of us and uh, things are going to be moving quickly um, there there's going to be uh, incredible wonders that God's going to do that are going to be um, I would say mind-boggling but they're going to be as signs for people and um, I'm I'm just I just know that we're on the verge of that and for such an alignment of the angelic and such a cacophony of voices being expressed um, I I think that it is a staging area in the heart of God it wasn't in the temple of the tabernacle of testimony that I was sensing this it wasn't here on earth and I, I really do think that it was something hidden in him but you know let, let's look at it let's look at a couple of scriptures about this it's amazing how God uses the same principle over and over again but he uses it in such a way that if you're not aware you may not see it like here uh, Psalm 17 verse 8 keep me as the apple of the eye hide me under the shadow of thy wings um, shadow of your wings and let's look at one other this is a 
a good one. I remember senior adult meetings, they like for us to read this verse, this passage, Psalm 91. Um, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, of Elyon, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, it's, it's interesting. This, this whole principle of the shadow is interesting. Um, and wings, of course, there is the kanaf. It's, it's that line of God. It's like in Malachi where it says, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. That's really where we are right now, that, that promise. But under the shadow, if you, if you were to look this word up, you'd see that it's S-E-L, in, transliterated S-E-L, cell. And um, it's etymologically, it's where we get the word that's morphed into the seller. Um, and it's something under, it's, it's something in a house that's under the normal place of dwelling. And it's a place where you usually kept things that when you needed them, you'd draw out from them. And, um, you know, and it's where we get, you know, buy and sell. Sell, I know it's spelled different. Well, it's actually spelled about the same. If you were going to sell something in a store back in the old days, you would go into the place where you stored things and you'd bring that up and you'd have it there. I remember the first time we went into India and um, um, we were a couple of the, well, one of the guys wanted to buy a, a sitar. Remember that, Pastor Fabian? And we start going, we're in Delhi. And we start going down through these alleyways where uh, <laughs> I don't think humans were intended to walk through. <laughs> and suddenly these guys open this door, and you, you have to go down these steps deep down into this building, and it's pitch black in there. And there is their storehouse, and there are all these sitar boxes there it looked like it looked like a place where Dracula's family was sleeping because it looked like a bunch of caskets and the smell was certainly not heavenly and so they start to why we had to go down there with them I don't know I thought man are we ever going to see the light of day this that this was this was the bowels of bowels of the earth and so we bring it up out of there but that was the cellar and that's where they kept their stuff and um so to be under the shadow is to be in a place that God has reserved things for something that he wants to do, and in his perfect timing, he's going to bring it forth. And, you know, like if you, you see um, a shadow on the earth, it's something that is under you that's reflecting something else a light of some sort a sundial would tell time by a shadow casting itself on the the dial the timing uh, circle um, so if you're talking about the if you're talking about under the shadow of his wings like for instance this first verse we read psalm 8 17 8 um, you um, you see 
keep me as the apple of your eye. That's a that's a a cherished a cherished one in the ways of God. And you're hidden, you're secured under the shadow of what he has ordained to do in touching the earth. So it really speaks about what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be someone that is a cherished lover of God. And we want to be in alignment with his wings. When God begins to move in a certain alignment, when he says it's time for this for this theater of operation to come online, we want to be in in good graces, in his love, but we want to be hidden in the cellar. We want to be hidden in the shadow of that for what he wants to bring forth to empower that wing or that alignment. And this is why when you talk about in Psalm 91, the Most High, Elion, the high places, uh, Abram, and Abram was the, the friend of the Most High, according to Melchizedek. And, um, you know, we want to gain dominion there. We want to be hidden in the shadow of his wings. We want to be in that place that God is preparing. And how he prepares is an intercession. You know, there's the secret place of thunder, which we know those who become contrite are caught up into before the empowerment as lightning and the sending forth to the earthquake, voice thunders, lightnings, earthquake, sent forth to the place that God wants to strike and to shake and to change and to turn right side up. And so I feel that when we come into that place of intercession and we're contrite and we're communing with God there at, his, at that secret place near his throne, there is that place where he in his heart and it's not a literal cellar you know some people talk about how that you know they see rooms that are just filled with money or human one of the most extreme human body parts hanging there that that's that just i can't get a grip on that i don't think god hey we need a size 10 bring it in be right there you know that i'm sorry we're all out of those in that color <laughs> <laughs> well, bring me whatever you have. <laughs> and I don't, I don't dispute the, the interpretation of that kind of thing. But, but really, what you find in this place under the shadow of the throne is God welcoming you into the innermost chamber of his planning. And everything begins with a voice. God always looks for an intercessor, and that happens in every sphere of development. And so whatever God has purposed, he wants to do at his throne in this new wave of visitation that's coming, we are praying in that place. Uh, we are at the wing of God. We are, we are standing there at that alignment place at his throne which is going to be manifested on earth. And I, I really do believe that that's what this dream that I had, that's what this season of intercession has been. And, and I believe that many of you are praying in alignment with, with that. 
Uh, so what's the difference between that kind of praying, if, this, if what I'm postulating is true, and I truly do believe it is, what's the difference between praying in, under the shadow of his wing and what goes on in the temple of the tabernacle of testimony? And what's the difference between those two places and what you do when you are ministering in that terio where the hysteme of the Lord is, when you are on your face saying, Lord, come, I'm submitting, kingdom, come. Well, it's, you think about it, those are the three main areas of our intercession, intercessory function. Uh, the first is where our relationship with God in, in the throne, where our relationship with God is developed, where Jesus made the way for us to be there from the right hand as sons, where God is contemplating what he's going to do according to his eternal timetable, and that's where we minister. And it's a rather unusual place of ministry. There are cherubs that surround that place. The seven spirits of God surround that place in the throne. You know, the right hand of God where sons are commissioned prophetically is there. <clears throat> but this is that place. And remember how we've described it. I never described it as a cellar. But I've said, if you go into this place, it's somewhere seemingly behind when we when we view the throne area from the, the vantage of how we view it it's behind the throne and it's hidden below this is a place of commune with God where he he uh, as he said when he created Moses I want to create someone who will nacham with me according to my intention of grace I want somebody who will be in my deliberation, in my counsel, to feel and to hear and to be impacted and to share with me in the declaration of my mystery that I want to do. That's this place. From that place, then, there is the mobilization in the temple of the tabernacle of testimony. And there, people and angels are on their face declaring and asking God to conduct his movements on the earth and it's a very important place but it's not the same as that inception place uh, at the throne and then wherever you're assigned you are there establishing that Bethel place where you're communing with Elohim the ladder of the angels of Elohim are there and you can see up into that temple area where Yahweh, the plan of God, is looking down. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that can be a, your, your, your home base, your terio that you were ordained to stand and serve in, but it could also extrapolate to other places where the Spirit carries you as an intercessor where you're standing in a, in a key location in the spirit realm. We've visited, many of you have visited many of those. You may not know where you are. But you're, you're really be, beseeching God to come into that place and move and do what he wants to do. You're speaking into those gateways. You're speaking into those places. Uh, we've, we've known many of these things on earth even where we've been called to go into a certain land and go to uh, the gateways and, and to declare and to pray even though Arterio is somewhere else, but God commissions us to go on behalf of something that he wants to do. But those three phases of intercession are, are really 
you, you align them when you think of three promise seal of fulfillment you are there gaining the promise of God at the throne you are warring and laboring on behalf of the of the of the of the preparation of that in heaven and and the release of supply and the release of of uh, encouragement and the release of angelic warriors the release of the flow of heaven that has to be at that release point the seal of heaven and then the location where you're planted on earth you're believing for God to move you're welcoming him you're you're seeking him in contrition and you're you're humbling yourself by being on your face before him obediently in proskuneo the father searches for those who will do that but I, I really believe that even though all of these other things are happening the place where we are the place in the temple the key place right now is that secret place where God of thunder where God is preparing that charge of his spirit where we as individuals are are moving about in the wind of God and gaining uh, through his favor and obedience to him in that unusual place we are we are welcoming the empowerment of the spirit for what God wants to do and that's that's a crucial crucial point and that's where this is Isaiah saw the breakthrough the year King Uzziah died I saw the Lord his train filled the temple there was an alignment then on earth um, but we're under the shadow of his wings the shadow is not just a shady place it is it is that storehouse uh, that is hidden by God in the place of his dwelling yeah see we don't have too many sellers here in Texas I guess because of the shiftiness of the soil when I where I grew up just about everybody had a cellar and um, I loved going down and it my, our cellar wasn't really developed but I loved going down there it was always nice and cool down there plus I could get away from yeah, I could do things down there my parents didn't know I was doing, you know. Nothing bad, you know, but boys, little boys will be boys. They don't want their their mom and their other know-it-all siblings seeing what you're doing. I guess girls are that way too. But the cellar was underneath where we lived. You know, we knew, all knew it was there. and We put things down there, you know. Just put things in the attic. You didn't put the same kind of things in the attic that you put in the cellar, though. But, you know, but that principle of the cell, that shadow, it's connected with the wings. Isn't that interesting? See, if we just think of some big bird with their wings and, you know, we're under that shadow, I'm not sure I really want to be under that <laughs> in the natural. <laughs> Nothing really good happens when you're under the shadow of a bird. Either they're going to swoop in and grab your ice cream or they're going to drop something on you. And neither of those are preferable. So, you know, I, I just think that some of the ways we think about these passages don't really, they're kind of comical in a way. But it's much better for me to think of, of what these word meanings are, that you are in that place in God, in the cellar of, 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 of the, where he dwells. The intimate place, not where God just operates. Of course, God's everywhere. 
but where he dwells, where he rests. And you're there with him in his storehouse. And you're planning with him for what his mind and his timing is wanting to put forward. And, and from that then, you are, you are preparing for the operation of his wings, for, for the alignment, for the, the line upon line, for the, for the train of his temple, for the kanaf of his robe to, to strike and bring dunamis and bring a, a mighty visitation. See, that's where we want to be, and that's where he's called us to be. And honestly, and I, I don't say this with any sense of pretension or pride, but, you know, most Christians don't think that there is such a place as that, you know? And so why would they operate in that place? Most Christians function right on earth, if they function at all, and they're always asking God to come and do something, or lay hands on my head, or maybe God's Spirit will walk into the room. And that, that's their whole framework. They're kind of like children. The only thing that they realize is what's going on in front of them. You know, well, teacher's up there doing that. Yay! Oh, good. So-and-so came into the room. I'm going to get to leave early. Yay! It's whatever comes in. And, you know, that's the way most Christians, sadly, live their existence. Whatever they see, whatever they can welcome in, and, and the concept of either being before the throne or praying at the right hand of God, not arguing with him, not yelling boldly at him, but being there and being in this secret place adjacent and, and in, in a very secure and uh, very uh, important place for God and communing with him there and interceding with him there. That's interesting. And I really do believe that you can take what Jesus taught about when you pray, go into that closet. And remember, we studied about that. And some say that it's, you know, the prayer garment. But really, if you look at from the original language, the word it was used, it was the place usually in the center of the house where people would bury their, um, their treasures. And they would cover it over either with a rug or something, and it was hidden there. It was where you put your valuables, and you hoped nobody, no ne'er-do-well ne'er could find them. And um, so I, I don't know. To me, I would think that that kind of aligns with this concept of the seller. It, 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 when, and, and it says your father which sees in crypto will hear you when you go into that place. It would seem to me that we enter into with God the things that are most cherished to us. And we don't care if anybody else sees us. We don't adorn our face. We don't try to make people think, oh, look how holy they are. They're, they're on this kind of prayer time. You know, we go in there to be seen by God into this innermost place, the place of our treasure. And it's there that we can connect, if we do it properly, with that secret place in God where he, and what's his treasure? What's his treasure? It's those deep things that he wants to share with his sons. You're at the right hand of the Father where Jesus has gained the place 
to rule and reign, and we're welcomed there. God's treasure is communing with us concerning the eternal things. That's God's treasure. That's the only thing. His streets are paved with gold. You've got gates made of pearls. You've got any number of things that God has. At the snap of his finger, a mountain of, of diamonds could be. You know, the walls are decorated with these precious stones. God's treasure is you partnering with him, communing with him at that place that he envisioned before the rebellion. And so that's the treasure of God. That's what he has in his shadow. That's what he has as his treasure. That's where he brings those that are contrite on his wind. And that's where he is deliberating on behalf of what he wants to do as he edges deliberately forward toward the culmination of all things. So this for us is, is an amazing privilege and opportunity. And um, it does signify the breakthrough into a new epoch of time between man and God. And um, I, 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 th I think that um, this, what I would, I don't know what to call it. it it's, it's a wall, but it's not a wall. It's permeable, but it's solid. It, it's not something you're, you're wanting to break through. It's something that you and the angels are going to walk through. It's, it's almost like uh, the veil that we're going to penetrate and, and go through. Uh, and I, I can't really explain all that it means, but I do know that we're there, and I do know what I saw, and I do know that the knocking signifies the proximity of the timing of God. And our intercession and our willingness to keep praying is really saying to the Lord, open, open, and let us commune with you. And um, so I would encourage all, all of the saints to, to not be discouraged. And, you know, it seems that uh, in reflecting over things that have happened, especially since we started talking about transition, you know, I go back to the dream God gave me a couple of years ago of Elohim and then walking with Elohim. That that invitation for us to know God intimately in a way beyond what we've known. From that point, then God began to talk about the transition that he's bringing us through. And I reflect over these past couple of years of just unimaginable, crazy things that have happened. Uh, things that I, I, wouldn't, uh, I would not have wanted to know beforehand. And the way each of them kind of dealt uh, heavy blows to I can only speak for myself in this the foundations of what I believe and who, who I know I am in the Lord who he's called me to be you know and I, I could go through a number of them but you know there, there, a time when I faced a medical condition and God brought me through wonderfully but I, I was really 
perplexed as to why my, my voice before God just didn't alleviate that thing. You know, even sitting at, at the bedside of my sister who subsequently died. And I remember being before the Lord and praying with her daughters and praying with other family members. And here, here we are communing at the throne of God. And, you know, that happened. You know, you, you question. You don't doubt, but you wonder, you know, what did I do? What didn't I do? What, why did this happen? I, I, I can't explain that. We've had inconceivable things that have happened amongst the different settings of our network that probably hit me in places that nothing else ever has and really sent me reeling, uh, in, but not off course. You know, see, that's the key thing. In, that's a key thing in any battle. You know, you keep your perspective. You're not going to run away and you're not going to you're not going to kneel a thing. You take the best shot and you keep standing. And that's essential for us to walk in the Lord. But, you know, I could talk about any number of things. But then I see major breakthroughs that are happening. You know, strides forward in, in the various nations. Uh, this amazing new door to the South American continent, which is a fulfillment of prophecy for us. Um, this region that that's just opening in the northeast that is is just stirring more in me probably more than any other prospect of anything we've done and i know that's going to be in a major footprint on this continent and god has meticulously said it and we've got to line upon line our intercession to get it to the point where we can go and do it, it with exacting detail uh, to offer it to the Lord and see things open. <clears throat> we are positioned, but the most important positioning is what we're doing in prayer. And, and you see, some might, even seasoned people, might view this kind of thing as being dull or an indication that God's not there. It's too silent. It's done in the night when nobody's around. You're not going through the sanctuary banging cymbals and shouting to the top of your lungs to prove that God's really moving. And, you know, is, you know the weird thing about what I just described with all these angels is it none of them were shouting. It was just a deliberate speaking, a deliberate, confident speaking. It was an alignment almost of, of epic proportion for the breakthrough. It's like the, the horses in battle lined up for the, for the cavalry commander to say, go. Notice I didn't say cavalry commander. The cavalry commander to say, go. And that's where we are. And it's the calm before the storm. So, you know, and I think of what the angelic said last week on a Wednesday. And then to have this dream the ensuing night. And then to have just... God is just doing a work, but no, you know, there aren't people with goosebumps up to here, people scattered all over the floor, can't get up. That's going to happen in various ways, but, you know, somebody's got to minister before the Lord, you know. Somebody's going to be at the top of the hill with their arms raised, 
somebody's got to be able to minister in the temple where everybody else is overwhelmed by the glory and you are sons and you are heirs and joint heirs and it's a privilege to serve the father in this way but your delight is in the law of the lord the law of yahweh your delight is in what he is contemplating and what he's going to do and you have the privilege there in that secret place with him where you can speak in that shadow of his visitation what it is that he's going to do and there aren't any bells and whistles you won't see this plastered on the internet look where Trish was last night glory be to her name but you know it's it's the way God moves it really is it's Samuel in the night hearing the whisper of God when all the other religious ones were sound asleep so we we are we're privileged so be be very be very much aware of the value of your intercession and don't shortchange it embrace the moment embrace that it's amazing when you embrace the the pressures of the travail and you recognize what it is and you find yourself hiding in it uh, and how wonderful that is so heavenly father i thank you uh, i pray that those who've heard this tonight will be encouraged and um and i feel like there's somebody that's listening to this tonight who's never heard such things before but yet they know somehow in their spirit that this is right god is calling you to a deeper walk in intercession and i release that to you uh, i bless the saints your sons and daughters i thank you for the privilege of being able to walk with them may we be acceptable in your sight and may we please you as we do your bidding thank you lord we ask these things in jesus name amen Amen. Well, God bless you all. Thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for tuning in. And we will speak with you again on Sunday.